I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. On this week's two-parter, we meet with Raphael Weiss, VFX Associate Producer based in Montreal. Rafa is currently on a training secondment in Mumbai, and we had such a brilliant conversation. Joining us as guest co-host is Chris Mylordos, London-based production assistant in Episodic. We get into so much on this episode, including mental self-care, teamwork, Rafa's experience to date, working with our colleagues in Mumbai, plus role models from the world of pop music. So settle in, grab a beverage of choice, and please enjoy episode 22 of the Framestore podcast with Raphael Weiss. Welcome back to another episode of the Framestore podcast. Every two weeks, we invite both a guest from our global Framestore community and a co-host with a keen interest in our guest's craft, work or career path, and we let the magic happen. We split each episode in two parts across the week. On today's episode, I warm them up by inviting our guest to the Framestore podcast dailies session, our 13-question grilling, followed by Thursday's second part, where our co-host leads a deeper dive into why we invited them on the pod in the first place. Today, we invite another VFX production superstar to take on the dailies in the form of Raphael, aka Rafa, Vice, VFX associate producer, based in Montreal, currently on a training assignment at Framestore Mumbai. Rafa has quite the career narrative, starting out in 2009 as a graphic artist, then various roles as a day camp animator, compositing teacher's assistant, and three years of volunteering at a number of established VFX and video games conferences. That led her to join CineSight as a VFX production assistant at the beginning of 2015. There, she notched up some decent show credits, including The Revenant, to name a but a few. Then before the year was out, in the fall of that same year, Rafa walked through the doors of Framestore Montreal as a VFX coordinator, quickly rising through the ranks to line producer and now associate producer. Some sterling show credits that include, and not limited to, Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. We just need a Legends trilogy now. You need to work on another of the Legend of uh, Rafa, I think. We also include in that list Alien Covenant, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Little Mermaid, Jingle Jangle, HDM Season 1, Dumbo, Paddington 2, and more recently, The School of Good and Evil. And joining us for this week's episode as co-host is Chris Mylordos, production assistant in the episodic team based in London. Chris is new to VFX, having joined Framestore at the beginning of this year, a graduate of the University of the Creative Arts with a BA in film production. We are very lucky to have him too. Welcome to the podcast, Rafa and Chris. That was another insanely long (laughs) intro. How are you both? Thank you. Thank you, Simon. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's a uh, another grey summer's day here in London, isn't it, Chris? I don't know how it is in uh, Mumbai. Yeah. You're approaching the rainy season soon, aren't you, Rafa? So uh, slowly, slowly but surely, yes. But it's a good 34 humid day, 34 degrees. So it's uh, it's quite something. Excellent. 
Excellent. Well, thank you both for uh, joining. And Chris, yes, you want to comment on weather as well? Yeah, in London, it was supposed to be, yeah, it was supposed to be sunny, but it's not. <laughs> and it's not a surprise to anyone. <laughs> no, we, we, we love a good weather chat on the podcast. It's very, very British yeah. of us, isn't it, to talk about the weather. <laughs> Um, even though this is an international podcast, which is very exciting. Um, but it's great to have you both. And I will uh, say, Rafa, um, you must, you, I think you, you take some credit for the podcast actually existing because we had a very early conversation back in the day when I started at Framestore where we did a production webinar, didn't we? It was very, very kind of post-COVID, but also quite groundbreaking, wasn't it? Because production kind of, you know, keynotes rarely happen mm-hmm. in our industry. It tends to be all about the on-screen vfx doesn't it very true yeah it was very nice to have like a place to to geek out about production i think it's such a wonderful (laughs) department and thing to do so yeah i remember we had a quick chat and i told you if anything just put me on the podcast and you did so thank you because you're you're welcome and the idea really came from how do we keep getting that message out to people beyond another webinar because at the time post-covid everything was a webinar and i think we were there was a bit of webinar fatigue and really, the idea came from, wouldn't it be great to use a podcast mechanic to do that? And then, you know, we're, we're almost a year into the uh, the project. And as you say, Rafa, you were very, very keen to be involved. So here you are, which is kind of nice. And it's only episode 22. So we got there eventually. We got there eventually. Yeah, it's a great number, 22 anyway. So I'm, I'm very happy with that one. <laughs> Excellent. And Chris, your, your tenure at Framestore is actually younger than the podcast. And the podcast still feels very new as a, an initiative because you, you joined uh, at the start of this year, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. I joined in January and I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm so happy to be in the podcast as well. Like I've been seeing it in the elevators when I was coming into the office and I was like, oh, this is exciting. It's the first thing that I've seen in any company that I've worked for. So I'm very, very happy to be here. Well, you came highly recommended from the IA talent team. I did. How I, how I recruit co-hosts, I, I literally stand up in the office and go, I need a co-host. Does anybody can recommend somebody who can uh, speak to somebody from, uh, from the film production side? So uh, your name was the top of everyone's list. So uh, you've obviously oh. made an impact, Chris. Thank you, IA talent team. Thanks, everybody. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're all accountable now. This year. Whatever happens, it's <laughs> yeah. not your fault, Chris. It's all down to the, yeah. the team that will remain nameless. People will be able to work it out, I'm sure. Um, and so, Rafa, you're in Mumbai at the moment, which is cool. So you've been out there for a little while now, haven't you? Yes, I, we got here um, in February. So it's been about three, a little bit over three months. And I'm going to be here another three months for a total of six. So, wow. yeah, I got here. I think in Montreal, it was about minus 32 degrees. I got here, it was 32 degrees. Wow. And uh, culture shock was uh, very real. <laughs> yeah. And how are you adapting to uh, Mumbai life? Oh, I love it. I, the people, I, I know it's the corny answer, but the people mm. make it the best uh, experience possible. They, everyone's been very welcoming. Even on my first day, it was, please come join us for lunch and nice. just get to know everyone. And, you know, everyone's been inviting me places. So I really feel like at home. So when I'm going to leave, I'm going to be very sad to see them um, yeah. stay. <laughs> I wish I could put them all of them in my suitcase. <laughs> so it's a great team out there. I hear nothing but amazing things from the people mm-hmm. that have come, have gone over to visit and spend time with the team. I'm still yet to get out there, but it is on the, the plan this year at some point to get out there and meet everybody. Yeah, I hope you get to do it. Everyone's great. And the production team has been so strong and managing. I think they had up to 22 projects at once and with a team wow. of maybe less than 20 people. So it's uh, it's been quite a bit, but it's really nice to see them thrive at this point. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, to see that firsthand for sure. And 
it's been a real uh, pleasure to have uh, a number of folk on the uh, the podcast actually in the forum we've had Prashant on the call we've had Artie mm-hmm. on, on on the podcast and just hearing that journey of the studio from being a very small team to that explosive trajectory of kind of extra headcount and growth and all of the shows I mean having what seen a number of the shows in theatres and seeing that lovely long list of of folks in the Mumbai team having having uh, contributed to those incredible pieces mm-hmm. of work it's super exciting we'll get into show credits later but I'd love to hear more about the, the training you're doing out there there Rafa is it more over the shoulder kind of guidance or are you running are you running sessions I mean what's that what's your role look like at the moment I've been running uh, quite a few sessions, everything inspired by what we can find on Confluence. So I've dug it up and I made some slides of my own to have a bit more of my voice awesome. and make it easier for me to, to do the trainings in person. But really going back to the basics, because in production, people come from everywhere. Not everyone has the same shotgun uh, knowledge. Not everyone has the same understanding of each yeah. pipeline step or department rather. So it's been really interesting to just go back to the basics and mm. be able to share my knowledge from from the start. So that's been really cool. I do a lot of one-on-ones also. So then I can have a bit more tailored trainings or make sure that they've understood and assimilated everything that I've been teaching them because it's a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot and I love shotgun and I absolutely love what I do. So I go mm. really deep and sometimes nice. I, I feel like I go in maybe too much detail, but... <laughs> That's why I do one-on-ones to check in and yeah. <laughs> see what stuck and what didn't. I imagine the team really uh, respond well to that, that level of detail from my my experience working with the team in Mumbai. They like it. All, everything laid out and yeah, super clear, which is great. <laughs> um, and how have you? Uh, what's what's? Are there any differences between you know training a, a team in in Mumbai, India, to perhaps what you would do in in Montreal? What have you had to kind of mm. tweak and change out of interest? Sorry, it's, it's a training mm. conversation which I'm clearly geeking out on so forgive me i love this question it's uh so i think it's in montreal i think people tend to to speak up and ask questions on the go like as soon as they have them they will raise their hand and right away ask and i have a few people that do that here but a lot of them prefer waiting until the end of the session and come see me after or gonna make sure that i have some time to answer their question and they're very respectful in that way not that it's not respectful but they really don't want to disturb there's very much that that culture of yeah. we want to make sure that you know you've said everything you had to say maybe my question was going to be answered and so in Montreal because I've been there for so long I think it's a little bit more casual so people yeah. know me I've known most of them for a long time so it's always nice to to just shoot shoot yeah the, just adapt to yeah. a different way of training <laughs> yeah. you, you'll go back to Montreal going like be quiet wait until the end of the session <laughs> No, yeah. take your questions to the end. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, having done uh, some work with uh, the team delivering launch pads in, in Mumbai, like a lot of, uh, it, it, we've flown a lot of folk out to do training, but we've also made sure there's someone on the ground who can kind of not just translate, but, you know, to support those folks, particularly the younger folk coming in through Launchpad who don't have the, almost the social, and this goes for anywhere in the world, the, the social acumen to pipe up and ask questions and it's about creating that environment mm-hmm. where they they can and it, it's a safe mm-hmm. space to do so right so it's a it's a, it's mm-hmm. a great craft to 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 get a, a peek into particularly on the production training side i mean i know i work with vima in montreal and and kirsty in london are our production trainers who, who, who speak yeah, to they've that been too. so nice too sharing with me all the slides that they've done so i'm really grateful yeah. for them i don't think i'd be able to do it here if it wasn't for them so a little shout out no, it's good to shout hear out. 
big big shout out Kirsty Yule and uh, Vima Mushroff. They are yes. absolute powerhouses. Our production t- training team, and you're, you're clearly in good company there. Be careful, I might hire you, Rafa. You sound like you're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Poach you from the production team. You heard it here first. Um, amazing. All right. Well, you know what? I could geek out about this all day, but uh, and I really want to talk about your. This has quite been quite nice because I've not dived straight into your career journey yet, Rafa. I think we'll tease that out as we go through the dailies. Normally, I just give it all away in the the intro, which I kind mm-hmm. of have done a little bit. But if it's okay with you, Rafa, and you, Chris, remember, you're not off the hook. You know, I've told you in the preamble, you don't get to just chill out and listen to our conversation. I will be, uh, <laughs> yeah, springing questions on you randomly. Oh, I'm here. I'm here for it. Amazing, amazing. Okay, so are you prepared for the very dramatic sound effects as we launch into the dailies? There it is. And we are into the dailies. And this is my, I'm going to have to change up the questions going forward because I always ask who, where, what, who are you, where are you, and what are you working on? I think I've already established who and where and the what you can usually not talk about if you're working on shows. But I'm going to let you answer it anyway, Rafa, because uh, I ask everyone the same question. Oh, yeah, I mean, who? I mean, I am I am uh, humble <laughs> Rafa Vice from Montreal. <laughs> Um, I, my pronouns are she, her, they, them. Uh, and like you said, I've been working in Montreal for quite a while now. And right now I'm really working only for Mumbai and Mumbai. So I'm really here to be the support system if ever they need it. So Brilliant. I've been really enjoying that role. It's a little bit of associate producer on a huge scale <laughs> where mm. I really enjoy taking a look and at the schedules and how people do things and try to improve and find efficiencies. So that's what yeah. I'm working on, finding efficiencies for the Mumbai team to make sure that they can be as proactive as possible, that they know what kind of question to ask and what answers they can expect and make sure that that goes smoothly on all cool. the shows that they're on. That's awesome. And how many shows are in the building at the moment that they're working on? Oh my gosh, uh, so many to count. I over fifteen. I think wow. maybe as of last week, they maybe were close to twenty, maybe a little bit over that. Um, but yeah, we're hoping that over time, Mumbai is going to have more and more projects that have bigger chunks of projects and fewer of them with more coherent mm-hmm. sequences that they can all work on as a team. Because what's been happening because. You know, they have crew here, but not necessarily production team to support all of the different departments. Some coordinators will be on different projects. And that means that they don't necessarily have the, you know, this is my show and I have other people on the same show and other sites that I can rely on and stuff. So over yeah. time, I hope that it's going to be sooner rather than later. They're going to have full show teams that can function the same way as in London and Montreal and now Vancouver, Melbourne and all of that. Of course, yeah, it's a big, uh, it's a big team now, isn't it? I mean, how is it bouncing from so many different? Because obviously, I'm imagining that the training you're doing is being involved in these shows. So you would have gone from, I assume, producing one show or maybe a couple at the same time. You yeah, know what they say I about assumption. Hands off being in projects directly. Okay. What I usually do is help them figure out their schedules. And if they have any okay. specific questions of, oh, I don't really know how to go about this schedule or like take another look at the schedule. And then you can see down the line, how does it, like, how's the waterfall? How's the work balance uh, on your artists? And asking them questions that can help then go to their offsite teams and ask the right questions. But I'm not as involved as um, as 
you know, on a project regularly, you know, on a day to day. So it's really more as a support system, a little bit like the training manager, like I know that Vima, especially she's going to be available if we have any questions, point us to the right places in Confluence when we need to. So I think that's a little bit what I'm doing right now. That's cool. And how is that for you? I mean, some, I mean, we went through your show credits and there's some incredible, incredible pieces of work there that you've been credited on and been involved in to be in a kind of like helicopter across you know for quite a chunk of time yeah. six months and how are you finding yeah. that i mean i imagine you love the every producer we talk to and artist um they love the camaraderie of being on a show and it's all or nothing and you know getting it delivered yeah. getting it over the line to being this I kind know. of consultant also almost. well i thought i would love it way more than i do at this point in time to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you so <laughs> thank you that's a great question but because it's true you really get that whole you get into it right you get into the yeah. meat of it and I'm vegan so it'd be like the tofu of it and then you just like really enjoy knowing everything about the show seeing the edits seeing how things evolve and progress and there's that satisfaction from it and as much as I really love training the team when I see them on their shows and starting to have that feeling and being able to be in dailies and see images evolve over time I'm like yeah. oh I miss it. So I'm looking forward to the next show when I get back to Montreal. Honestly, yeah. it's going to be refreshing because after so many projects and so many different ways of working and also working from home for so long, mm. I think I lost that a little bit. And I did yeah. take a bit of a break before coming to Mumbai to um, recuperate from, from all of it. So yeah. now I'm, I'm really ready. Yeah. And I feel like going through all of those basics, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to apply that myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah, training back, myself on the, the DL. So. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we would have had you on the podcast earlier because I know you did take a bit of a, a bit of a break from uh, from the, the the cut and thrust Rafa. So uh, yeah, just just know we would have got you on earlier if we could, uh, <laughs> especially off the back of my uh, my, my intro at the start. Um, cool, that's really cool. Yeah, thank you for answering that as well. Uh, and yeah, so you're going back to Montreal. That's the plan. At the end of the six months, you are back on back on shows. Yes. 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 I think I'm penciled for a big one, so I'm I'm excited. Nice. It's not confirmed yet, and I don't know what I can say, so I will say nothing. So that's the one you're not allowed to talk about, which is absolutely fair. It has become a running joke. Whenever I wrote that one, nobody's <laughs> yes, going to answer that. A few did, which was nice. But yeah, we did. We did. I think uh, Sarah Kishwa, I remember her like, talking, you know, talking about Barbie in very, very mm-hmm. non-cryptic terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the pink lady, I think she called it. I'm like, yeah, okay, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. Okay, so my next question is, again, I teased out some years, but um, I'll let you answer it, which is how long have you been at Framestore? How long have you worked at Framestore, Rafa? It will be eight years in October, so wow. seven years and, and a half something. Cool, and, and and still enjoying it, still here, still still climbing yes. that 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 ladder, that career path. Yeah, exactly. I think, I've, and it's funny. I see a lot of people, and especially people that I really loved working with and who left, came back. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Sabrina Gagnon is a big example of that. I was so sad to see her go. I understood, and then she came right back. So Amazing. I thought, well, <laughs> I'm going to stay too. Then excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And, and the team in Montreal, because we've had uh, quite a few folk from Montreal on the podcast. I mean, uh, Sabrina's been on twice, Sabrina mm-hmm. Gagnon, who uh, uh, she did the Maverick special for us when we got the nomination, uh, the Oscar nom. And then obviously did, I think, episode two or three. She was one of the, the OG mm-hmm. guests. Um, but yeah, what, what is the kind of, because your career, apart from the, 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 the stint in Mumbai, you've very much stayed in Montreal. What is it about the Montreal production team that, that you love so much? I mean, I'll get to kind of why, what you love about Framestore later, but what's oh the gosh. what's the team like there? I mean, the, the location is amazing. So whenever we want to hang out like outside of work and not have to talk shop 
so much. There's so many places we get to go to. So in Montreal specifically, I would think that's it. And that's what I miss the most from working from home as much as it's so nice to have my cats around and mm. being able to do, you know, cook some food while I'm in dailies nice. or something. It's uh, being around the people is something else. So I'm excited to do the, what's it called? The um, core days, I think is what they're yeah. calling it, or project days. So that's going to be yes, fun to see course, yeah, people yeah. at that point in the office. So Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, but it, everyone's, it's the same old answer that everyone gives you. It's the people, always the yeah. people and forever the people. I'm getting back into studios. And people who've been here for a long time. I think I started the Montreal studio was maybe two years since a half. So the team was very small. So I got to see the team grow and see a lot of leads become supervisors. And nice. supervise like CG soups or comp soups become VFX soups and really see everyone grow. So being part of that and seeing that is inspiring every day. So seeing it yeah. firsthand makes me want to stay. That's super Maybe cool, actually. Keep climbing. <laughs> yeah, seeing the kind of particularly kind of the the entry level folk coming through, and you've got kind of the runners or the interns, and mm -hmm. you've been here long enough now, as you rightly say, to see those stories unfurl. That's yeah. that's what's quite nice about working for a, any mm -hmm. studio, any institution that really. And nurtures talent and i've seen it across visual effects for the last i mean i've been in the industry not that long like maybe 10, 11 12 years and the movement around industry now and all over the world i mean there's there's resource managers and, and schedulers who are now heads of production in in massive big you know studios in like new york and la and canada and it's bonkers, uh, you know, talent will out at the end of the day. I mean, I'm a big believer in that. And I think visual effects is still new enough to really be a, a kind of hotbed. Hot bed. And he said compost, which wouldn't be a very good, you know, analogy, but, you know, hotbed of, <laughs> of talent. Uh, speaking of talent, Chris, I mean, you've been in industry for a short amount of time. And we just talked about hybrid as well, because I know I, I can feel the excitement of returning to a busy Montreal and and Chris uh, your frame of reference I imagine is quite different having just got into industry in January this year yeah it is quite different I mean I've been listening to what Rafa has been saying for the past uh, you know 20 minutes or so and I'm just in awe because <laughs> um, I'm looking forward and working on such big shows like you did but um, I think it's just exciting for me to see how the VFX industry works uh, because it was always my dream to break into the film industry and, you know, the TV industry and being into um, this specific aspect of the film and TV industry is just so interesting to me um, and seeing how these big distributors work um, and all the amazing people that literally Framestore has, um, has just been a dream basically, but it, it, it has been a great six months that I've been at Framestore and I just cannot wait for it to be longer. Amazing, amazing. And yeah, who'd have thought in six months you'd be on a, a world-class, heavily subscribed podcast? <laughs> Honestly, nobody. Yeah, people listen all over the world now. It's crazy. The IA talent team did. Yeah, right. And we're here. And here we are. <laughs> this, uh, the world yeah. moves in mysterious ways. Um, well, speaking of career trajectories, very excited to see where your career goes, Chris. And I want to talk, we'll talk about shows later. I'd love to hear more about what you've worked on, if you're allowed to talk about it, but we will get to that. Okay. Um, but my next question on the, uh, the dailies, question three, is one of the most interesting questions, Rafa, because it's, it's how did you get your break in the VFX industry? And I always frame this quite differently because some people see their break as the first break in a studio, like the mm -hmm. Cineside gig, for example. Whereas others see a break as a show or a particular point in their career, um, what would you consider to be your big break, Ruff? Well, 
um, I think it happened really in two beats, maybe more, but two major beats. Uh, I, so I studied visual effects in Montreal at yep. the Nat Center. So it was a three years bachelor's called 3D animation for movies and television in visual effects. So it was very long name. It's on my diploma. I'm very proud of it. Um, but I was studying there to become an artist. At first, I thought I was going to be an animator. Then yeah. I thought compositing, and I loved compositing. Nuke was just so much fun, and I loved it. And that's why I had applied to being the compositing teacher's assistant for one of the sessions. But at the end of the program, we would have to do a demo reel, right? And then the, the teacher was like, hey, I think you might be, would you like to do a group project instead of a individual's demo reel and 12 of us got together we did a six minute short film um, and to make that happen in six months we needed a bit of production support so I took that on just very familiar with shotgun because they showed it we had a class specifically on shotgun in that program and so I plugged everything in and everything went you know as planned and when we delivered it and showed it to people in the industry at the end of the semester there was one producer who came in and talked to me and was like, hey, um, so you manage that? And I was like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I was also doing the compositing of half the shots in there. But yes, I totally did. He was like, oh, 12 people, six months, six minutes, not bad. Mm -hmm. Would you like to go into production? And I said, well, I don't know much about production. All I know is what they taught us, which is how to deal with production as an artist. So I had very limited visibility on what that would look like. And she very kindly said, well, listen, uh, Cinecide is hiring at the moment. If you don't love production, just apply internally to the lighting comp department and we'll see what happens. And I said, well, okay, fine. I applied, get get the job one month later and became a coordinator within four months because I had all of that knowledge of the CG pipeline and I was very comfortable yeah. chasing things. And they're like, okay, you're perfect to be a cord. And I think that was my first break, right? I was like, oh my gosh, production is a thing. <laughs> yeah. There's a job for organizing things. Wow. So that was a lot of fun. And I oh. think the second beat was um, on Paddington 2. There was an opening on the team. The line producer at the time, one of the line producers had left to go to another company. And the producer, Jennifer Fairweather, who is just lovely and love, love, love that woman, um, just said, hey, I think you might be good to be an LP, even though you've only been coordinator for a little more than two years. Give it a shot. And it was very challenging for me to let go of coordinator tasks, I'll have mm -hmm. to say. So <laughs> I've been reminded yeah. by some colleagues and peers how intense <laughs> I was on that project because I wanted everything to go perfect. But uh, so I think that was the second break. She really gave me a chance when wow. I think other people might have had to wait a bit longer to be a line producer. But I enjoyed it so much. I think scheduling was really my happy place. So yeah. it was I love being close to the artists, but being able to look long-term at a plan and playing Tetris in my head was, <laughs> yeah. was the best. <laughs> Such a good answer. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, two really interesting beats there. I guess uh, there's a couple of questions in there. I guess the mm -hmm. first one is around all of that. You know, you did three-year bachelor's. You know, you really understand pipeline. You really understand software and technology and everything that goes into the craft of visual effects. How did it feel making that decision, going, right, I'm going, to be, I'm going to take a punt at being a producer now? And, you know, you're still involved, you're still close to it, but you're not mm -hmm. on the box as much, I guess. I mean, what went through your mind when you made that decision? 
Well, the fact that I always had the option to apply within Cinesite gave me a lot of reassurance that, you know what, I can try it out for a few months and actually see on the job what happened. And I think it was one of the first weeks I was called into a client review to help set it up and stuff. And then I stayed in the client review and I was like, this is the control room, you guys. Mm, (laughs) This is where the magic happens. Yeah. yeah, Not that, you know, being in front of a computer and doing amazing work and being able to bring to life either through colors in compositing or motion and animation or effects or CFX is, there was just something like another type of magic where it was, like being the drummer in a band, let's say, where, yeah, okay, yeah, the yeah, artist yeah. and the supervisor, they're playing the music, but if there's nobody setting the rhythm and making sure that there's the right tempo and when to accelerate, when to leave space, where is that going? And I think I got that image from that really cool uh, mentorship um, training that you gave last week where oh, I was like, cool. oh my God, the drummer, right? And it made so yeah, much yeah, sense. Yeah. So I think that the control room and the met- metaphor or whatever was really what it felt like. I felt like yeah. I could make a change, helping people be more efficient on a grander scale than doing my shot by myself. I was good in comp, but I wasn't great. Like I could see other people in my um, group in university being better. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, maybe I just need to work a little harder, but then I found the magic in production and I just wanted to stay there. <laughs> Brilliant. It's a great story and yeah almost like a meant to be situation in many ways uh, yeah, as you yeah. rightly say i love it's that been very organically i'm glad i had yeah. the option in the first place yeah that kind of another yeah yeah that, another type of magic i love that that's a yeah i mean i learned soft image and that died <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that stuff there was no no use gonna add that to the uh the, the frame store podcast t-shirt slogan selection <laughs> i think it's uh, definitely a, a collection in there somewhere um, and, and my second question, I guess, around Beat 2, around Paddington 2 is, you know, your career trajectory, I mean, it's just been a few years, really, when you look at it and you've, 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 you've got a you know, great linear career path to where you are now. Uh, having that understanding uh, must have added, given you so much more um, uh, credit and, and, you know, almost like a safe pair of hands with, 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 with the artists. I mean, is that a fair assumption that, you know, having that gave you that extra extra something you know so you've got the production skills but you also understand oh yeah absolutely do. i think yeah. that made a huge difference because when people were talking to me about i'm missing this or that i could actually yeah. you know look at them in the eye and be like okay i got you you don't need to explain more i'm gonna go and chase it and ask the right questions and you know understanding that if an artist was like oh well no i have to clean up my uvs for another two days i wouldn't be like what the hell is a uv and why yeah, do you need yeah. that much time mm-hmm. so it was a bit more yeah, it was easier to relate to everyone. So then yeah. making those connections for artists and leads to trust me when I was like, no, no, please, you have to accelerate or them telling me I need more time. There was always mm. that leeway and understanding that I we could trust each other much more easily. Not that if you don't have that background, you can't be trusted at all. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, but no, it totally. just yeah. made it easier, definitely, to, to have that background because then I knew which departments came afterwards nobody had trained me on the go it's and that's usually what you do as a production assistant is just understand that pipeline so hmm. I think the bump from PA to chord was super fast for me just because yeah. I had all of the knowledge and then as a chord same thing I would ask questions and I was always very curious about VFX and 
it's not like you kind of you started with that base level of uh, understanding of the craft because you like it like you say like any coordinator or any assistant you learn through osmosis anyway so you're just mm -hmm. building on that that credibility so that's a yeah really really great insight thank you rafa okay. um, chris uh, tell us a bit about how you got into industry i'd love to hear your routine what was the what, what's what's the story um, it's a little bit different than Rafa. So I started off at uni because I moved from Cyprus to the UK. So I had no connections or anything here. Um, but what I did, it, it's that I said to myself that I have to be very adamant if I want a, a job in the industries. And so I was. Um, when I finished university, um, I found a mentorship program through Screen Skills. Um, and I signed up for it. And then I was waiting for two years until somebody actually picked me up. Um, and then a mentor called Azur Salim uh, picked me up, which um, he's the director of Doctor Who and like Anansi Boys and Amazon Prime. Um, and then we started having sessions like every one or two weeks or so. Um, and then that's how I started learning as to how the industry works and how you can break into it. And then, you know, how he works in with the BBC and like with Amazon Prime and how I can actually approach executives and approach producers and like tell them this is me and I'm I'm trying to find a job and this is what my skill set is. Um, so basically what I did is that I started emailing people out um, and that's what happened with Framestore as well. I just knew Framestore from back in the days when I was studying um, and I knew how groundbreaking work they were doing and actually Paddington one of my favorite assets of all time. <laughs> I, I have a hoodie at home. And fun story, I was actually walking down Leicester Square recently with that hoodie of, of Paddington. And then somebody turned around and said, oh, that bear is so cute. And I thought, yep, Framestore did this. Um, but yeah, so basically um, what I did is that I kept on emailing people. And then at some point, you know, somebody from Framestore said, oh, this guy actually is interesting. And then we had loads and loads of chats with Framestore through Google Meet and through Zoom and through all the webinars that you can find. Um, and then, you know, they've they've trusted me, which was quite crazy at the time because I thought, wow, they literally know nothing about me. And they said, hey, jump on. Um, and then that's how I got in. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that my break into the industry was because I was being so adamant. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have been here if I wasn't so adamant. So you just have to be if you really want it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you've got to be quite, okay, probably resilience the wrong word, isn't it? But you need yeah, to exactly. accept that some of those kind of hits along the way. I mean, some people get lucky and get their first break quite quickly, but some people need to kind of go through that. I think having mentorship is really important. And I'm very aware of the Screen yeah. Skills mentoring program, much like the Access VFX mentoring program that I do with my other hat on uh, is a great place to use as a sounding board when you're you're applying for gigs in the industry so uh that's that's good to hear definitely big up the uh the screen skills mentoring program mm -hmm. and your resilience and yes <laughs> it is sure really. you yeah but once you know what you want to do you just yeah yeah t yeah, take the nose it. and you know leverage the yeses yeah and just do it just do it mm -hmm. yes that's the famous pair of shoes says. you did that's not, that's so <laughs> <Yeah>. cool <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, we will return to that. Um, and we've touched on the next question quite a lot already, which we is now known as the kind of the, the corny, the cheesy question, uh, which is, <laughs> Rafa, what's the best thing about being part of Framestore? Uh, well, it's the creme de la creme of the coolest geeks <laughs> here at Framestore. You really have the the most wonderful tech nerds and the just the rainbow of 
personalities is so great to see. So, and like I said, people come back, they keep coming back to frame stores. So it feels like it's home to a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah. I've met so many amazing people here and everyone has like that one thing that they're really passionate about and they just want to get into really deep, like, um, that there's the the producer Massimo Meo, who's yeah. an amazing artist and also paints amazing, amazing, huge canvases. I have one at home that I bought from him a few years ago, and it's just incredible what he does. And I'm so happy to, I think I saw on his Instagram that he's finally shooting his short film that he's been talking about really? for years. Um, and Or like people like Jack Crocker, amazing line producer who's, started as a runner who loves stars and I had the most awesome conversation with him about constellations. Wow. So just like everyone has their thing, right? Yeah. Where you can, they're passionate and they're coming to work happy because they have that thing in their life that just drives yeah. their motivation and their passion. So I think at Framestore I found, and I'm sure other companies probably have them too, but I think we have the best ones. Yeah, it's a really good one. I mean, everybody does talk about the people, of course. Uh, that's why mm-hmm. we're all here. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, I learned so much on just doing these podcasts. It really is a personal privilege having this conversation and all the others that I've had as part of this particular project because you do, just by the very nature of having an uninterrupted conversation for 90 minutes, you get to learn something about mm-hmm. uh, that person you didn't know. I mean, I didn't know about your career trajectory. I didn't know you were a creative before, Rafa. I mean, alone, you know, that's something I'll take away, let alone what we will unearth in this conversation because we're not done yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, Massimo and Jack, both really interesting uh, folks. And I'd love to, I'd lo- I mean, I'd love to see Massimo's paintings. I, I had oh, no yeah. idea that was the case. Send so send you. me some links. Yeah, I will do. It's amazing. Love what he does. Amazing, amazing. And uh, it would be remiss of me, Chris, not to ask you, particularly with your frame of reference, having only been here five, six months, um, what for you so far is the best part of being part of the best part of being part of there's a question there the best part of being part of framestore god not quite the linguist um, i thought i was <laughs> well i i got what you're trying to say so um i think it's three things for me and of course one of them is the people that we've already touched on and it's like it's a great thing to see how great framestore is uh, to, on hiring people like they know exactly who to hire and where to put them it's like it's phenomenal um but there's also two things more that I want to touch on. Firstly, it's the work that Framestore is doing and how you can see it when you go to the cinema, when you're watching something on your TV. Um, you just know that this is quality work, like the acid work that we've been working on. Like I've said before, Paddington, for example, is just some one of the best VFX that I've seen um, in films and TV for a long time. And that's the reason why I've been following Framestore since I was in film school as well. Um and the other one is also the projects that Framestore is working on. I think they know exactly on what projects to choose and bid on. And they know what they want to work on. And all of their projects are so interesting. Like the projects that I'm working on at the moment um, are just so interesting to work on that I'm, I'm literally looking forward to coming to work every day and see how we're going to progress what we're working on. And then I'm so excited for audiences to see what we're working on. And I'm sure the same applies for Rafa as well. Um, But yeah, it's, it's all of those three things, people, work, quality of work. It's just all very good. Love that people work quality. Absolutely. You're so right. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Thank Thank you, Chris. And uh, just to double check before I start launching into any more questions, you can't talk about what you're working on, right? At the moment, you can't. Or can you? 
I don't want to get into trouble. You've only been here six months. <laughs> That's it, no. In, in doubt. Um, just... If in doubt, keep, keep quiet. Edit it out. I think I can say who is distributing what I'm working on, but I'm just going to... Yeah, I, I'm working on, on an Apple show and a Netflix show okay. at the moment. That's fair. I think I saw that on your LinkedIn that's, profile somewhere, yeah. so that's okay. That's out there in the world. That's it's out there somewhere (laughs) good well it sounds super exciting i can't wait to hear more i always kind of uh, threaten our not threaten our co-hosts i'm not going to actually threaten (laughs) you but threaten you with getting you back on the podcast uh, to talk about these great shows that you work on maybe maybe in a year or two when you're super duper established and doing your thing we'll we'll revisit this i'll be back i'll be back exactly Um, so Rafa, um this is the toughest question i think out of the 13 which is if you could recommend one show that truly showcases Framestore at its best. I almost want to change this to the Framestore show you'd show to an alien to really <laughs> demonstrate, manifest what oh we do. Gosh. What would it be? Ooh, um, I think, I mean, the Marvel movies, especially Guardians 3, was the environment was incredible. But if it was one show that would, I mean, that show has it too. Okay, there's Guardians 3, and because I worked on it and I'm, it's, you know, bias, uh, his dark materials. Um, and I think because we had to, we have to reach such a level of realism and especially his dark materials. It was so intense to work on a TV series. I think it was the first one we were doing at Framestore at the time when we did mm-hmm. season one, season one yeah. and it was creatures that needed to be realistic, but still had to have a range of emotion and be able to have expressions that were very true to the voice actor. And so facial rigs on a very realistic creature was like, thing of its own having full cg environments having environments that you would um basically extend with plates that we got from really amazing places in the world um what i mean yeah effects of all kinds whether it was snow magic um yeah just such a huge range and i think they did such a good job with season two and three that and we worked so well also together. It was a really nice collaboration between Montreal and London, I found, being yeah. able to share the assets and the work and still have the same level of work to be able to deliver that consistently to the to the studio. So, yeah, and it was challenging tracks and challenging full CG cams and yeah. challenging paints to remove those puppets. So every department, even from prep to, to comp, it was very challenging in the best of ways. So, And yeah. I'm sure they went through something similar with guardians 3 i didn't work on that but the creature work was amazing rocket is just such a gem and the environments were incredible and the alienness of it all so yeah those two (laughs) yeah really really great call and yeah where where the creature work is front and center as Mm -hmm. kind of a the storytelling mechanic i think is is great i mean did you listen to the russell dodgson episode where he talked about his dark materials no, not yet. There's a few clicks no, back. Yeah, no, it's really. worth a listen. It's a really nice insight into, you know, those those, those shoots over the years, you know, because it was, uh, we were involved in, obviously, all three, and Russell was a big presence over those two, as, as mm-hmm. are the rest of the crew. But it's a really nice insight, particularly on the production side. Um, so there you go, a little tip for you to, yeah, yes. work your way through yes. the archive, Rafa. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, but great, great shout. Thank you. I and mean, obviously, we've talked about Paddington, and, and I think the, the, mm-hmm. the creature work is, yeah, is a very frame store. Um, still haven't seen Guardians 3. It's on the list. I need to get out there. My, my son's not quite at the age where he'll get it. So I need to get a, get a date night in at some point for us to go and see, see that one. But it's, uh, it's coming. Um, so my next question is, again, this is where I get in, 
all of my favorite questions. I always say this one's my favorite and then I go to the next one mm-hmm. and I say, well, that's one, that one's my favorite. But this one is genuinely my favorite because it kind of moves a little bit away from the, the day-to-day show work and it's more about the myth stuff. So what's a common myth about your job, your role or your field? Rafa? Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is that production is not a creative department. <laughs> I beg to <laughs> differ. Yeah. Uh, we have to come up with strategies with our supervisors and take into account so many variables that is basically all of the colors that you need to have on your, on your, you know, canvas. And so you still have to be creative. It's a very different type of creativity. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some that are a lot more quote unquote left brain, but we still have to be creative because we have to adapt constantly to any circumstance. If there's a technical challenge, a curveball, a delivery, yeah. a temp, a trailer, whatever, we always have to be like, okay, quick on our feet and think ahead and make sure you can think of every single possible issue with the supervisors and leads also mm-hmm. to support us. But we still have to be pretty creative. It's not just about ticking boxes. And I think that's a reputation yeah. that we get a lot from artists that maybe not haven't worked with production that closely just yet that we just want to tick it and say like approved and then that's it it's not about that it's we want people to move forward and that box represents that so that's why we love it so much it's not necessarily the ticking boxes that's the dopamine hit i mean maybe a little bit if you think about it who doesn't well, yeah. love I mean, to yeah, take a little <laughs> green box, though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's, a, there's, there's some boxes to be ticked along the way, but the journey is a journey of, as you rightly say, Rafa, a, a journey of creative problem solving. Every day there's, yes. a, there's a new creative challenge. And I think people often get the word creative twisted, where creative just means on the box. It means the creative or the, the content that you see in dailies and shots and on screen but actually there's something when i think about creativity i think about problem solving and it's come up a lot on this pod a lot when Mm -hmm. we talk to producers and supervisors and artists yeah it's it's, yeah we all have our creative side we want to express and we are doing it in our own way to make sure that we can see things evolve over time and i think that's the beautiful thing about visual effects is that it takes so many people and so many great minds together to put together together like five minutes of work (laughs) so it's uh it's pretty incredible and i feel really grateful to be in an industry where i can see the results of my efforts translated in something like Mm. gets done beautifully by an artist because they had more time because i made sure that they would have the buffer that they needed and it goes unnoticed quite often because you know (laughs) it's like oh well i have more time but it's you have no idea what went in the background to make sure that that went down and that you didn't feel stressed even though i was freaking out Mm. (laughs) so um yeah i think it's yeah the creativity and just not we're not you know it's not all about boxes in production i think it's, it's a lot bigger than that so it's the ultimate collaboration isn't it it's the ultimate group i mean i i talked a bit about credits earlier my uh I went to see uh, The Little Mermaid last Monday um, with my family. And we have this tradition. And my son's nine and a half now, but he's been going to the cinema since he was like five. And I've instilled this tradition that we stay, like anyone who works in visual effects, you watch the credits and you, Ooh, you watch the VFX so credits. And he moans about it now. He complains a little bit. Like he's got to stay because, you know, The Little Mermaid isn't a Marvel film where you're waiting for the end of credit sequence. Right. You know, it's... Uh, uh, but I, yeah, we, we wait. And uh, it, I mean, the, the, the na- when you see that collection of names, it really lands the, 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 the amount of people involved. And I'm re- you know, trying to get that across to not just my, my son, but, you know, the world, because we are, 
we are so far down that credit list. It drives me mad that, you know, a film like Guardians 3 or Little Mermaid is built on that storytelling, mm. storytelling mechanic of, of the visual effects. And we're so we're after the carpenters and the joiners and the plasterers. I just find it. <laughs> yes. There's this, yeah, there's something that's got to change. Something's got to Hopefully give. Hopefully sooner rather than later, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we'll get there. We'll get there. But anyway, enough about enough about my my trips to the cinema. I want to get into the most important lesson you've learned in your career to date, Rafa. Ooh, Has there been um, one? Hmm. Uh, I think. Hmm. There's a few that come to mind, but I think I'll stick to to that one. So I think that it's incredible what happens when you ask for help. Hmm. I think if you reach out to someone on the a colleague or someone who's quote unquote above you in the team um, or even who's been where you've been before and just not at the same time, you can still learn so much and still rely on the people around you so much. So I always say delegates to elevate and it's not just for others, it's for yourself as well. It's just that you feel so much lighter when you've expressed that you need some help for a small problem, a big one whatever it's I think not being shy and not taking everything on uh, your own shoulders because I've definitely burned myself on a few projects where I would work so long because I didn't want to burden other people with the amount of work I had and where I could have just said well can you do this this way so it's easier for me to find the notes or can you stay with me so instead of me doing six hours maybe we can do three three and I'll get you dinner if, <laughs> if it's something yeah. that was in my list of responsibilities yeah. but yeah, asking for help, I think that was the biggest thing for me because it really helps with your mental health and it's a form of self-care to just ask for help when you need it. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've fallen victim of uh, of just taking on and taking on and taking on and then not, and actually it is quite empowering for you, as you rightly say, I love, I love delegate to, to elevate, but to give somebody the opportunity to do something and be involved in that project or mm-hmm. that story um i think is huge and you do you know whenever you give someone anything it's like the act of giving it's like random acts of kindness and all of that kind of stuff is <laughs> it's really it's, it feels good you know um and people are more than willing to help as well you know to your point that's it exactly they're like people who love to give also love to receive at some point yeah. so it just it goes round and round and i i love what you do because mentoring is really part of that right where you can bring yeah, people to the same level and even beyond what you've been able to do just so it's easier for everybody on the teams yeah i think so uh, yeah and if you're indispensable are you really reliable because <laughs> if you're sick one day <laughs> yeah. it crumbles so and everybody has a limit i know yeah. you end up just burning out and yeah we've talked about that i mean i've spoke about that a lot on the the other podcast that i run we're having a break this year so far but the access effects podcast we spoke to uh uh, Jasmine uh, Katatakan and she talked about she was a creativity coach and still is a creativity coach and she met she coaches so many creatives who have all suffered burnout and almost said I'm out I'm, I'm not going back you know so I think uh, that needs to change for sure that's a really really good lesson to have learnt um, which we all need to take a bit of advice from so uh, thank you for that Rafa and I'm sure our listeners will be grateful for that too um, so we've, t- we've touched on mentor so perfect segue into and again, quite an unfair question here, but who has been your most important professional oh mentor? God. Are there a few? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to 
Kate Phillips, our head of production, uh, global head of production, has been such an amazing mentor with yeah. me being in Mumbai. I've worked with her when she was in Montreal. She was head of pod there for, I think, a couple of years um, before Sabrina, I think. Mm-hmm. Or was it after? I can't remember. It's been too long. But she was super keen on sharing shotgun tricks and production tricks and just how to manage a project. And she really left a big you know, made a big impact on my career on just how fun it is to geek about those those things. And other than that, um, every project I've worked on, I felt like I learned so much from my producers. I've been really lucky. I think Jennifer Fairweather, Sabrina, mm-hmm. I didn't work directly under her, but she definitely was a big part of how uh, I got even deeper in shotgun. I can't say it enough, but I fucking love shotgun. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best. Um, pro software to manage anything in, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Kate and Sabrina, and also, and anyone, any other line producer who I've worked with who didn't work the same way as I did. Because yeah. <laughs> honestly, yeah. I love perspective. I, I sometimes I get so deep into my things, but oh I God, yeah. can't say that I can give you all the names. But let's just say Kate and Sabi. Love that. For, yeah. For so basically, Kate, Jennifer, Sabrina, and and everyone else. That's okay. Yes. That's okay. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I love what you said there about different perspectives. It's what the mentoring program's built on, really. The Framestore mentoring program is about trying to create different perspectives for people. So we talked a bit about the global collaboration and you know, why not have a mentor who is in another country? We talked about the cultural differences with you know, Montreal and Mumbai as an example. Just learning more about how we do things uh, rather than getting caught up. You know, nothing worse than speaking to people who think exactly the same as you because you just yeah. that's not creativity, going back to our original conversation about mm-hmm. creativity. Oh, God, I'm geeking out here and we're, we're already <laughs> over time here. So I'm going to I'll quickly ask Chris because it would be really unfair of me not to ask Chris who his important professional mentor is to date. It might change, but anyone you want to shout out before I move on to the next question? Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Azura, actually, that I've already mentioned before, yeah. the uh, director from Doctor Who and etc. But also um, all the production teams that I've been working on and frames since I joined, I feel like they've been they've been my rock because I came into you know so many things to learn and then they've just been there for like for me since day one and they're still here. Um, so anyone that works in my production teams and my shows, amazing, big shout out. I love that. So again, similar answer, everyone. That's great. <laughs> oh, awesome. yeah. oh, you're all amazing. It's anyone. about teamwork. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who has production in their job title somewhere. Producer. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you both so much. So we're getting into another one of my fave questions, which is um, it's underrated tools. It's what what underrated tool or tools are indispensable for you to get the job done, Rafa? Uh, sounds silly, but uh, Google Calendar. Right? Oh, Google Calendar. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, underrated because I think like Shotgun, you know, everyone knows. I want to, I want to think. Yeah, we know knows, you love Shotgun. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and it's not say, yeah. fairly rated out there. That's out there. Yes. Yeah. But Google Calendar, honestly, like I've spent so much time making sure that I've planned my days properly, that I've, you know, made sure that everything fits. Focus time became my best friend. Oh my God, <laughs> so yeah. that's been amazing to just book like, nope, especially doing the trainings here because I want to still be available to the team, but I still need to prepare for the next training. Focus time has been my best friend. So yeah. yeah and it's very underrated. I find in within 
production because when we get on the show and we have so many supervisors and so many departments, so many things to see, how do you make everyone go to the right place at the right moment for dailies? Methodology dailies needs to fit where everyone is available at the same time, but you still want to give a bit of desk time, but you also want to have desk time between suits so they can have time to talk to each other. Like it's Google yeah. Calendar is, if you're good in there, you can make it anywhere. So Amazing. I feel like shout out to, to that software. Google Calendar is my homeboy. I love that. Brilliant. Yeah, I completely agree. I, yeah, When you said it, I was like, oh, really? And then I'm actually thinking about how I use it. And I... I've always had Outlook, always had like Microsoft in previous roles. And when I came to Framestore, I knew through my my relationship with Amy Smith and Access VFX that there was always, uh, it was always a Google Mail that I got from Framestore. And I, I went in and thinking, here we go, I'm going to have to learn this whole new, whole new kind of uh, you know, workflow. And it's incredible for training because a lot of my training is all remote. The breakout rooms, all of the whiteboards, you, you're like, we talked about the enterprise earlier, didn't we, in your career trajectory. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm running a workshop if I get a decent room booked, that I've got all these toys at my disposal, which I never really, you had in person. I love in-person training, don't get me wrong. I did one recently. It was awesome. But something about, you know, the, the technology now and all of the little 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 tricks that I'm still yet to learn. I mean, focus time is something I stumbled yeah. across fairly recently and yeah. having those and you buffers. You can color code your events. Yeah. So, and then Google will tell you how much time you've spent on what that week. It's, I love Google. Yeah. Like more than, not more than shotgun, but I do love it. No, it's, it's it, we've not had officially Google Calendar on the project. So it's a, it's a new one for sure. So yeah, <laughs> you, you can have it. Correct answer. <laughs> Um, so we're getting into kind of the final set of questions now before we wrap up uh, part one of these episodes. And um, this is about the advice piece. So there's lots of great advice in this podcast from both your, yourself and Chris, actually, uh, throughout this conversation. But what is the kind of go-to golden nugget of advice you give anyone considering a career in VFX production? Well, anyone, anyone um, believe in the power of a question mark? Whoa asking questions always all the time there's no stupid question ever i know that i think that's been said on the podcast before but really the the power of it and just because it's a trigger point it's yeah. like oh what kind of answer am i gonna get and sometimes yeah. people will need some time to answer it um but that being able to ask questions and always hone in on communication skills like i read uh nonviolent communication couple of years ago and being able to make requests to people in a way that was very calm and composed and I felt that that made a huge change in the way that I manage even my self-talk um, and also talking to other people so just yeah. making sure that we always are a student all the time as much yeah. as we might mentor other people at, and lead teams Agreed. asking questions and just make sure your communication is good Always learning. I love that. Uh, I love a book recommendation on the podcast. Is that nonviolent communication? That sounds awesome. Yes. Yeah. And there's actually, I think the author, I believe, did some workshops on YouTube. And I think I didn't even go through, didn't watch the workshops because the book covered everything. He basically just repeated what was in there. But if you're curious and want to yeah. see quickly what that's about, I think you have some YouTube videos about that. Yeah, I might check that out. I mean, I've never been accused of having violent communication, but I will definitely look at uh, <laughs> look at that because I love a good read. And uh, yeah, that sounds uh, coming from yourself, Rafa. I think that's a great, great reco. So I'm going to take that and I'll let you know I get on. Brilliant. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to segue to Chris quickly because, again, you're recent. You're a recent addition to our flourishing visual effects industry, and I'd love to hear. You've talked about persistence already, so you're not allowed to say that. But what would uh, <laughs> be your golden nugget that you'd uh, give to anybody who could be sitting where you are now? Um, I think um, it will be patience or uh, trusting the process, and you know. I am quite an impatient person, to be honest. So I'm going to come clean. Um, so I want things to be done, you know, in time and whenever I want them, which is quite selfish. But I think I've what I've learned throughout my career at Framestore, which is quite new um, and fresh, is that you have to to give time yeah. to things and you have to give time to your artists and give time to your teams and just trust them and trust the process and just know that um, whatever you want to, you want to, at the end, it will happen um, and everything will be successful. And to add on this and to add on what Rafa said, it's just about communication as well. So I'd say trusting the process, having patience and having great communication skills is, is what will get you through. I love that. Very positive. Yeah. Everything is going to be okay. Chris Mullins. Yeah. <laughs> everything is always okay. You guys relax. Well, just communicate well. Ask lots of decent questions. It's gonna, everything is okay. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. Love it. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Rafa, another great question coming up, yes. uh, even if I do say so myself, which is what's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? Ooh, uh, the something about mental health probably that's mm. very close to my heart so maybe yeah self-care tips and tricks um so that might be valuable so. for anyone listening so yeah i think it's something that that's been on my mind for a while and i can't talk about it enough so uh yeah i was very much a workaholic before like i said i would just do hours and hours i think i was doing a very good average of 70 to 80 hour weeks for wow. quite some time especially from paddington 2 to a few other projects after that and you know that's just not sustainable it might feel maybe fine when you have crunch time but even then prepare ahead before yeah. crunch time and also just the um, language that you use for for yourself and for others, especially for yourself, being able to always use words to make you feel empowered. So um, let's say like problem solving. Some people might not like the idea of thinking of, oh, it's a problem to solve, but maybe it's a challenge to overcome. And that's mm. just personal. For me, problem solving, it whatever, it, it doesn't matter, but other people yeah. might be triggered by it words that I don't understand because I'm not in their shoes. I haven't been through their own traumas or things like that. So, and words will trigger people in different ways and even mm. for subconscious. So always keeping our mental health in check and making sure that we talk to ourselves in a kind manner and always have that voice of, Hmm, I think you are tired. Maybe you cancel that meeting that you have later today. Yeah. Just reschedule. It's going to be fine. You know, and just trusting that you're always doing mm. everything for your future self. Because that way you'll always be in constant gratitude for your past self, which means your present self will just remain happy and have the energy for the things that matter for you. I love the idea of looking after your best self and almost a future self that will thank you later, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love to sleep. And when I go to bed early, I don't like it because I might want to watch another episode yeah. of Queer Eye. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> I go to bed because then I sleep better and then 
at work the next day. It's a very basic example. No, it's a good example, though. I really like that. And I really like about the idea of changing um, the words you use. Uh, you know, so, you know, reframing problems to challenges, which I really like. Yeah, and I think in visual effects, it's important also to, because there's so many hiccups and curveballs from time to time that it's easy to have, to use a language of, oh, those clients yeah. or, oh, that curveball because of that one department where it's like, oh, they experienced a challenge. It was a little harder than expected. It's fine. And just being able to then tell that to the team and they will brief that to their artists when they do rounds using those words that they've heard from somebody who did not put a blame on anything. It was just yeah. it's part of the deal. Because I've worked with producers in the past that were a lot more firm and it was always a bit more stressful, you know, to be like, oh, there is a blame somewhere. So then I didn't want to speak up because it felt mm -hmm. scary to speak up. So I think that if the words that we use and that we use to reframe situations that are a bit more challenging might make a huge difference yeah. down the line. Yeah, well, words are power. I mean, one thing I learned was uh, it was to use the term, if I'm going to ask somebody to help me, I wouldn't say, can you help me? I would say, would you be willing? I would always caveat it with, would you be willing to mm -hmm. support this person with something or mentor this person or help me with the, a problem? And the, using the term willing, it's almost an invitation mm -hmm. rather than a, can you do, help me? Help. <laughs> I need you to do a thing quick. Yeah. Um, but there's so many, there's so many ways to kind of flip, flip the narrative um, to make, make, you know, it not have it land softly, but just, yeah, just, just, it has more power to it. I think it's, it's really, really, Interesting. There's another one on the tip of my tongue, which is mm -hmm. going to come to me as we're in mid-conversation, which I'll save for later. But, uh, but yeah, I love that. And yeah, yeah, the whole the, the mental health conversation is, is huge. It is huge, and I don't think we have the the minutes to uh, to really dedicate a lot to it. But it is is huge, and it does come up. Um, but thank you for sharing that that, that reference. It's important. Um, so we're going to move into the one of the other final questions, which is. Um, who would you like to hear on the podcast? Who 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 haven't we spoken to that you'd love to hear from? Uh, I don't think we've spoken to Pilo, uh, Pierre Loic Amon in Montreal. I believe he's head of creatures yes. still. Um, I think I might have seen him do a little bit of CG supervision, perhaps. But um, just because I love to hear him speak, he has the best yeah. French accent in the That's been great world. French. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but also he's just a genius. He has a phenomenal brain, and just the way that he explains really technical things, I could listen to him talk okay. all day. Okay. So, <laughs> I think he's yeah, and he's been at Framestore for quite a while, so he might have a lot of information about the development of technologies for for creatures that are so groundbreaking every time. That's a really really great show. Okay on the list thank you rafa anyone you'd like to hear from chris um i think we haven't heard from jay and jay john and julie mm -hmm. so those two candidates will be very interesting to hear what they have to say about their ways and going about in framestorm very interesting individuals <laughs> amazing well i ask it on every every podcast and we do have a a long list but yeah they're making the list great great <laughs> shouts both so before we wrap up part one, Rafa, this is the, the price of entry. This is why everyone listens. They, they love, I'm sure they love what you've spoken <laughs> about, but they're really here for the big one, which is if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, uh, there is the best vegan burger place in Montreal in the Orcourt called Burger. <laughs> it's B-V-R-G-E-R. Uh, amazing. Just bring your 
meat eating friends and convert them (laughs) there it's so good and they change their menu every now and again it's the same chef who's behind sushi momo who is another uh, amazing restaurant for vegan sushis and i would eat there every day i crave it so much i spy on their instagram page and stories all the time and i hurt myself (laughs) i don't know why i do that to myself but i would would definitely eat that every day there we go as soon as you land in montreal in another three months time you'll be straight to burger (laughs) oh yes Yes, my sister is aware it's a non-negotiable. Amazing, amazing. I love a good, I love a proper recommendation as well, not just a food stuff, actually, where you can get it. Um, is that near to, near the studio in Montreal? Uh, unfortunately not. The Sushi Momo is a bit closer, but Burger is all the way down. But if you take a Bixie, a bike, and then you just ride all the way to the tippity bottom where the Saint Laurent is, you can have a nice burger, go by the water, and eat it on a bench with a loved one. So. It's a very cute oh, date idea after work. Yeah, you're me. I love yeah. a good veggie burger. And is it a veggie burger? Do they make their own kind of protein or is it kind of more like a vegetable burger? Is it like, what's the, what's the burger made out of? They make, yeah, they have a, they have one that's very close to meat, not beyond burger, uh, mm. beyond meat burger style, but very delicious. And they also make their own fried chicken oh, style that. using mushrooms. So the texture experience is Amazing. Honestly, they've nailed it. And Christian Ventura, the chef behind those two restaurants, is a texture like god. He really knows how to please the palate for vegan people who maybe miss those texture experience. I think that's what it's all about. There's something about meat that's very like, we can get the same thing. Good, good. It's good. Better. It's a healthy <laughs> alternative. I love it. And uh, what, one thing I, I do love about this podcast is it provides great conversation anchors further down the line so what i will definitely do when i go to if i get to go to montreal which i do plan to at some point <laughs> in the near future i'm going to go to Virga yeah. and i'm going to tell you about my experience so there you go we've got a follow-up already Rafa. Amazing. awesome okay. awesome chris <laughs> tell me <laughs> what 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 can you not live without what what be your i don't like to call it a death row meal that's a bit depressing i'm going to call it the, the food you can't live without um well i was going to say burgers as well but i was going to say meat burgers but i'm going to back down because <laughs> now we're into, yeah i'm not going to say that um but maybe when i try your recommendation rafa i'm going to find my new you know favorite burger so you never know um but i am going to say something that's also meat based after burgers which i'm so sorry for but i'm going to say like anything it might not be meat based if you don't want it to be but Anything quesadilla, burritos, tacos, like anything in that realm of the world is just, you have my heart. I don't have a specific recommendation of a restaurant because I'm still trying to find one in London that is really good. So if you have any recommendations, just shout. Oh, I love a quesadilla. Anything tortilla <laughs> based on there. Anything, oh, anything, yes. Anything Mexican food based. Before we move off the uh, the food uh, subject, I'd love to hear if you've, if you've discovered any amazing food in, in India, Rafa. Have you had any big moments where it's like, wow, where have you been all my life? Yes, there was a, there's, it's not Indian, but it's by Indian chefs. It, they make a mushroom truffle rice at one of the little restaurants in the food court here. And oh my God, they put it off the menu and still they will oh, make wow. it for me because I look at them with the <laughs> puppy eyes. So yes, it's, I think they call it the three mushroom truffle rice and it's incredible. So many mushrooms and it's just so oily. It's oh, just so amazing. dense and tastes like truffle, like crazy. And I love truffle oil. So 
I've I've had that almost like twice a week. <laughs> it's really <laughs> steady bad. diet breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Oh. I love it. Love it. Oh, well, I'll look out for that when I'm in town as well. Amazing. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Before I let you go, it's the, the throwaway question at the end. It's not part of the official thirteen, but I do like to ask everyone what they listen to while they're working so I can add it to the Frame Store Daily's Spotify playlist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if the people listening to that playlist are ready. <laughs> I listen to um, all of Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga. I have a specific playlist with all of their best songs <laughs> and I think it lasts about five hours and that's what I listen to on repeat. I, it's, I'm obsessed, especially Lady Gaga, but I'm... Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know if you want to yeah. add all of it, but I can give you some songs. Why don't you send me a one Ariana Grande song and one Lady Gaga song? We'll get them up on track two, one and two on the on the playlist Perfect. in preparation for release day. Sounds good. Great. And Chris, anything you want to add? Can you top that? Um, I don't know, but amen to that. Amen to Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga. Uh, but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say another queen. Of, of our hearts i'm going to say beyonce i've been listening to the whole renaissance album Ooh. but if you want one specific song out of the album i'll say heated by beyonce it's phenomenal yes wow. yeah well it's a strong a strong finish to part one, yes. part one folks love it love it awesome awesome well that brings us neatly to the end of part one Please join us for part two, where we will continue the conversation, but Chris is going to take over. So I'm going to get to take a a bit of a back seat and leave you to it. So thank you both. We'll see you on Thursday. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. Yes, thank you. Well, that was part one. Join us for part two of the Framestore podcast this Thursday, where Chris takes over proceedings as co-host and interviews Rafa. We'll see you then.